Welcome to the Directions Mag Geo Inspirations podcast series with Joseph Kursky. All right, greetings, folks. Joseph Kursky here from ESRI and from the University of Denver. I'm here with one of my all-time favorite people, Alan Carroll. Alan, greetings. Welcome. Greetings. Hi, Joseph. Thanks for doing this, Alan. The Directions Magazine Geo Inspirations column has been going on for about three years now, and we've been just honored to have a whole wide variety of department secretaries and CEOs and uh, graduate students, uh, GIS professionals, and lots of others in on this column, so we're just thrilled to have you here today. Happy to be here. <laughs> Alan, I think that many of the Geo Inspirations readers know who you are, but there may be some that don't know who you are. So if you could just outline what your current position is uh, for starters, that'd be great. Sure. I'm sure there are a lot of people who have no idea who I am, uh, but I am a program manager for storytelling at Esri, which means that I founded the the, uh, the story maps team at Esri. And, and so we do two main things. Uh, we uh, we have a development group that uh, that that creates and maintains the web apps that enable many thousands of people and organizations to tell multimedia stories using using maps and the web. Um, and we have an editorial team I spend most of my time on that produces stories on a continuing basis, often in collaboration with with other organizations. For and we do that for several reasons to to market Esri and and story maps uh, to provide uh, inspiration and ideas for effective storytelling and to help get organizations, especially nonprofits, up and running with story maps. Oh, excellent, Alan. I think that um, you were telling me late last year, this would be late 2018, there were just about a million story maps that had been created. Is that true? Uh, not quite yet, but we are over three quarters of a million story maps. And that's those are stories that are hosted on Esri's cloud service, ArcGIS Online. Now, there are many thousands more uh, within enterprise systems and behind firewalls and stuff, but we can't count those. Uh, we mm -hmm. don't know how many are out there. So it might be approaching a million, but it's uh, at any rate, it's a gratifyingly large number. <laughs> well, that is really amazing. I know you've written about this in some columns in the past about just this whole phenomenon being way beyond the uh, the multimedia aspect of telling your stories through maps. Um, and uh, I'm wondering if do you mind spending a few moments to reflect on just that whole, what it's, what it's been like and how, how it's changing, how organizations are presenting themselves and so on through these story maps. Sure. Oh, well, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about mm -hmm. my, past uh, later in the interview, but I've, I've worked for 27 years at National Geographic. And what I did there mainly was help inform people about the world. And that was thrilling. But at Esri, my main role has kind of shifted to, uh, to enabling people to tell their stories about the world. And that's just incredibly thrilling. There's nothing more gratifying for us uh, then and we, we this happens every day uh, is to then then to uh, uh, encounter a story map that somebody's created that uh, that tells an important or really interesting compelling story that's just incredibly exciting to see how people are using our apps to tell their stories often about really important and really fascinating topics 
Uh, indeed, Alan. I, I'm not on your team, just for the benefit of the listeners here. I'm on the education outreach team, but I am a huge fan of yours and your whole team. I mean, you've got some brilliant people on that team, and we are promoting uh, and conducting workshops and story mapping all the time. And so, anyway, thanks. Uh, just, just real quick, uh, one of the things that is also thrilling is to see how story maps are really taking off in the education realm. And then we're seeing more and more student-created story maps, which is just really exciting. Oh, gosh, yes. All the way down to middle school, even upper elementary. It's just, it, it, is, yep. it is pretty amazing. So, hey, Alan, you mentioned it briefly, but uh, if you could expand on your background here for the benefit of the, of the listeners here, that'd be great. Sure. It's a kind of a checkered one. Um, I, uh, uh, I majored in environmental studies in college and worked for, briefly for the state of Connecticut. Uh, environmental protection department uh, and learned that I was not cut out to be a state bureaucrat. Uh, but eventually I found myself uh, freelancing as a writer and editor and illustrator and designer. Uh, I found I can, I can write and I can edit, but that's hard work. Illustration design was the fun part. So I ended up doing that and I freelanced for several years in Washington, DC before uh, and that, that, that freelance work eventually land, landed me a job at National Geographic on the magazine staff. And that began my long 27 years career at, at Nat Geo, part of which was on the magazine and part of which was in the map division. And I, uh, uh, thanks, to, uh, thanks to Nat Geo, uh, was able to, to revive a long-held interest and passion, but for which I'd never done any studying, on maps and cartography. And so ultimately I ended up as for the last dozen or so years at National Geographic as chief cartographer there. And then and through that, or during that time, got to know Esri, uh, know and admire Esri and the amazing community of geographic information systems professionals. Uh, and then about uh, eight years ago, joined Esri to, uh, to, to start, start and uh, direct the Story Maps program. And when I, I remember the day I go back about 11 years or so at Esri. I remember the day that uh, it was announced that you were coming to our organization and we were just over the top, over the mountain thrilled <laughs> because I think I was at USGS when I first got to know what you were doing over there at National Geographic in the, in the, in the maps cartography as chief cartographer. What was it like, Alan, to go from one big national, internationally respected organization to another fairly large internationally respected organization? I mean, did you encounter some things that you expected, some things you didn't expect? What was it like? Well, it was great. I'm, I'm just incredibly fortunate to have been able to uh, work for what I consider the two premier kind of geography-based organizations on the whole planet. So National Geographic, obviously, was a, a, a globally recognized brand, uh, met, all, met and rubbed elbows with and worked with all sorts of really fascinating people and enjoyed pursuing the, the mission of the society, which is to work, raise awareness about the planet and to, uh, uh, to increase and diffuse geographic knowledge. At Esri, it's, uh, it's a very different organization, but with a similar passion for, for place and for geography, uh, mm -hmm. perhaps even more, a greater focus on, on the importance of ge geography and spatial thinking. Obviously, Esri is a for-profit company. National Geographic was a non-profit company or organization, uh, but uh, Esri is a very special company, and, and not that there aren't other mission-oriented companies, but 
but the 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 whole mission and ethos of Esri is very very much focused on on creating a better world and enabling people to use the tools of of mapping and analysis and geography to uh, improve our quality of life and and uh, and enhance sustainability and at least fight for a sustainable and just and healthy future. So it's just been an incredible thrill to be here at Esri and to. To, to realize the depth at which that belief is held here at, at, a, at what normally people think of as a money-making for-profit organization. Yeah, good points, Alan. I frequently, and I know you do too, talk with students and getting them to think about not just what you want to do, but what kind of organization you actually want to work for or could work for, and mm-hmm. to think carefully about the organization's yeah, mission, goals, ethos, like you said, And for me, coming over from a long history of working with federal agencies, I always valued that whole public service aspect to it. And I thought, Joseph, how can you actually work for a private company? But as you're saying, um, Esri is very keen on and attuned to listening to what people want. And so trying to produce what people, what kind of tools, data sets, et cetera, that people can actually use to be successful in their work and to, like you said, make a better world. So, um, Alan, you, you mentioned this uh, a little bit with your past. I've forgotten about the, uh, the glacial till past of yours at Connecticut. But um, thinking about, you know, the most important thing maybe uh, that convinced you to enter the fields when you were, you know, designing and writing and so on. It could have been a class or a person, a, a book, an event, something else that convinced you to this is what you should be doing for your career. Well, people have probably already realized my uh, my career path is pretty weird and random, <laughs> um, and so uh, I I there was wasn't really any single point at which I decided to enter this field, quote unquote. Um, I I grew up loving maps. I was the family navigator on uh, yep. family vacation, sort of the classic uh, '60s era uh, station wagon odysseys across the country. I grew up in Indianapolis. And I, I hand drew maps. I drew a map of the Arboretum around my alma mater, Connecticut College. Um, I did, uh, you know, various other sort of personal projects, but it never uh, kind of penetrated my thick skull that I would actually uh, end up uh, being a cartographer as a sort of career thing. Uh, but fortunately, I was able to, uh, you know, through National Geographic and Esri to kind of rediscover that interest and do a whole lot of learning on the job. And uh, it's been really great. But I think it's an important lesson for for, for students to uh, realize that not every career path is a real kind of straight and logical and rational one. Sometimes opportunities <laughs> arise and things happen and uh, things kind of, you know, come back around and you can fulfill dreams that, uh, that you might not have uh, realized you had or had forgotten about. Yeah, good point, Alan. I mean, you, you say yours has been sort of odd and, and, and varied, but uh, you have been focused on, yeah, communication, writing, designing, right. mapping, geography. We'll have to compare some of the hand-drawn maps we drew uh, years ago. I've got a whole collection that I've unearthed on big poster board of made-up places. I even had all the streets named and address ranges, Alan. This is really oh, wow. weird. You're even weirder than oh, I am. Gosh, no, I think between the two of us <laughs> here. No, and, and I think that's a, a, ni- a nice thing about out, uh, like you mentioned, that that there isn't one pathway, and you seize opportunities, and 
yeah, you've read Maphead by Ken Jennings, Alan. That kind of remind me of your station wagon family navigator a statement. He wrote this book about about being the family navigator and not oh, really. Being, I haven't read that. Yeah, apparently he w- we had him as a speaker at our national Cou- uh, council for geographic education conference one year. He um, apparently got to be famous for some sort of long running jeopardy championship where he was on there for weeks and weeks oh, I, right, right, right. Yeah. I love his book Maphead. Uh, so alan here's another question for you um you've done so many wonderful things is there a project or initiative that you're that you're super proud to be a part of um well there again i'm very fortunate there are several but uh, one or two come to mind one that i'm particularly proud of is uh i art directed and designed the uh a, a long out of print, unfortunately, a National Geographic book called The Historical Atlas of the United States. And that was my real first real stint in the in the cartographic division at National Geographic. And it was a fantastic opportunity to kind of sum up uh, from a geographic perspective, the history of the United States. And it was kind of a tour de force of, you know, a big format book with lots and lots of maps and illustrations and graphics and and photographs and, and texts, of course. So that was that was incredibly exciting. And I guess the second mm-hmm. would be just just the 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 opportunity to to uh, to kind of head the efforts to create a couple of editions of the World Atlas, along with the wall maps and and supplement maps that appear in the magazine. And then finally, this stint uh, heading the, the the story maps effort and and just seeing how those how story maps have taken off and how they they've been used has been just incredibly exciting yeah thanks alan i worked in the main publication area the sort of the big publications library slash warehouse at the u.s geological survey and we we actually have a historical atlas of the usa the the very one that you're talking about in there and that's that is an amazing um tour de force for sure I love historical mapping. I know you do too. We ought to talk, we'll have to talk more after this sometime about that. What do you think uh, is the most important thing that, that the geography, science, GIS mapping community should, should think about or work on here as we get into, gosh, we're getting over to the, to the decade of the 2020s here pretty shortly. What do you think we need to be working on in this next decade? Well, that's a no-brainer to me, and that, that is that we all need to be working as hard as we possibly can to, uh, to ensure a, a future for our kids and grandkids. I literally lose sleep over the, the fact that with, with the human population of the world continuing to burgeon mm-hmm. and our activities continuing to have an ever more severe impact on, on the natural world, that we're, that we're kind of burning the candle at both ends and living unsustainably and and that and that the the world that we're going to leave again to our kids and grandkids is going to be severely is already severely compromised and that we're facing uh, potential dire effects from climate change and and our lack of regard for the natural systems on which we utterly and completely depend so i think it's our big job to uh, to try to figure out how to uh, how to how to make the future work yeah, very good points Alan yeah lots of those um, key global variables are moving in the wrong direction despite the raising or raised awareness of 
ecosystem health, city urbanization, urban sprawl, biodiversity loss, ocean acidification. And there's a, there's a heightened awareness right now of those issues, but there's still, yeah, this disconnect with people being connected even to their own communities, to their own, uh, you know, you see, you see people littering, for example, and it's like they, they don't have any connection to the environment. Why, you know, why, why is that and what can we do about it? Uh, well, yeah, it's a good question. It's especially frustrating when people in, uh, in key leadership positions continue to uh, de- deny that there's even a problem which is just mystifying to me. But it's, uh, I think part of the issue is that it's just so big and it feels kind of amorphous and people don't, maybe don't want to grasp their connection to it and that, that we're all responsible. Every single person is responsible for trying to uh, play a part in, uh, in helping ensure a, 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 a sustainable future. Um, we as Americans are are consuming at enormous rates. We have about 5% of the world's population, and yet we consume about 20% of the world's resources. Um, so it's not a problem that's, a, a, you know, that's halfway around the world. The problem is everywhere in all of us, and we all have to be aware of it and work on it. Indeed. I'm sorry to preach. I'm sorry to preach, but... No, I, I, I want to hear perspectives. Stuff. Yeah, and I appreciate it. One of the one of the, I know you've seen the the, the images, for example, of the you know the pale blue dot from the Saturn's rings and and so on. It's it's one of the, those those three or four that are out there um, are sometimes I show those not to get people depressed, but kind of what you're saying that th- this is it. This is this is our habitat. As far as we know, it's the only life sustaining orb out there. And so this is it. If we're following our own nest, so to speak, uh, that has dire consequences. On on a positive note, um, I do think that this geo-awareness is going to result in a positive future. I mean, when I think of, you know, like Jon Snow, Alan, you know, the whole cholera thing in 1854 in London and so on, um, that when it dawned on people that, oh, we're, we're polluting our own water and people are dying, and then when, it, when they realize that we've got to clean up and have a sanitation system, it must have seemed like an incredible, impossible task. And, and I, while I recognize that you know, there are still lots and lots of people around the world that don't have access to safe drinking water, on the other hand, for many, they are no longer worried about dying the next time they take a drink. So – you know, we have yep. come a long ways in certain areas, uh, so we've 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 at least solved parts of the problem. We just need to go to the finish line here. No, it's true. There, we, there's a tremendous pro- progress has been made. A lot of it, of course, via uh, raise you know increased public awareness and commitment to change, but also technology has helped a lot. And I think GIS, Geographic Information Systems, and science can uh, can and is playing a big role in that battle toward uh, toward a, a healthy future. Indeed, we're always saying, right? It's not just about the technology; it's about the wiser decisions that can be made based on data-driven decisions. And GIS, yeah, being a big part of that. 
just to close things off here, I'm wondering what your advice would be to a new professional in the related fields that we've chatted about uh, today. Uh, well, they're just, just, just realize there are lots and lots of really exciting opportunities. Um, that's, uh, I know it's a, having, having two, two daughters who are just a few years out of college, I know how difficult it can be to make that transition to the, to the workplace, but there are just lots of opportunities in the fields of geographic information and science and, and, uh, and just to look for, you know, to actively seek those opportunities. But as you mentioned, look for companies or organizations that provide real meaningful work. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's one thing to, to pay the rent, but it's another thing to, to do work that you feel is, is valuable and important and meaningful and fun. I love that, Alan. Uh, yeah, the whole distinction between, you know, having a job versus having a career. You and I both know people that they are stuck. They're, you know, looking forward to, you know, quitting time today at work. And they're, they're stuck in some sort of position. My heart really goes out to them. I've got some students at the University of Denver right now that are sort of mid-career changing. I want to do something in not just necessarily in GIS, uh, although that is their main focus, but they are saying, is it too late for me to transition over into something that really is going to make me feel like I'm contributing more to the, to the planet's sustainable future? And I always tell them, and I'm sure you do too, no, it's never too late. You can do it. And, and actually, we need those people with a wide variety of backgrounds in these geotechnology fields because, I mean, you and I know at ESRI and other organizations, we've got chemists, we've got uh, soil scientists, we've got demographers, we've got a whole variety of people. Each of them has uh, strengths to, to bring to an organization. So also, I liked your, uh, your point about having fun. We, we do enjoy what we're doing. Yes, it's a very serious uh, task that we've got before us to build this smarter, more sustainable planet. But we've got to, you've got to have a sort of reverence for the moment, you know, joy in the moment. I, I like that statement of yours about, about enjoying what you're doing. And I think that radiates out with the things that you've been doing, Alan. Um, again, it's, it's, it's just a thrill to be working with you. Thanks for sharing your story for the uh, listeners here in the Directions Magazine column, Geo Inspirations. Really appreciate it. You bet. My pleasure, Joseph. Thanks so much. Folks, thanks for joining us on this installment of Geo Inspirations from Directions Magazine.